0: Hello and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. This time I'm back with Scott Johnson of Blitzscaling Ventures to examine the blitz scalability of a new crop of venture deals. This time it's October 2021. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Reviewing blitz scalable Venture Deals. This is going to be a review of deals that were announced in October of 2021. And as always, I'm joined by my fellow general partner at Blitzscaling Ventures, Scott Johnson. Hello, Chris. Yes, this is October deals,
1: including Halloween, and it was a pretty strong month for deal flow. So there were 145 deals. Done by the top VCs as we track them. So you know the likes of Greylock and uh, General Catalyst and Sequoia, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So those those that group did. You know they they've been doing pretty steadily 150 a month. So it's really settled into a fast pace. You know, a year ago was less than that. A year ago, more like 120 to 100, and now we're we're really sort of you know doing that many deals and so it's a lot more for
0: us to look at but that's great because it's a lot more to choose from absolutely and again let's remind people before the pandemic we were seeing about a hundred deals a month so somehow through a global pandemic the venture industry has increased by 50 percent
1: well it turns out deals can be done virtually and Faster, And there's some markets that were just accelerated by the pandemic that, uh, you know, the digitization of so many things happened faster. So here we are with all these deals to look at. And the first deal of today is Exporta Technologies, which is kind of a supply chain deal and a supply chain much in the news, of course, these days. And uh, it's, it's connecting buyers in any market to suppliers, primarily in Latin America. So it's buyers primarily in North America. The company's located in Boston, and it's a seed round, but they're already pretty far along. They've got 20,000 members of their network on the supplier side. So really interesting company. Felicis uh, uh, Ventures is an investor in the company. Uh, it's just a, f- a $5 million round though. So, you know, it's not a big round yet. And we've got uh, some some decent scoring here. It scores an 80, which is, as you recall, just our threshold. So anything that scores 80 out of 100 is a blitz scalable company, a company that should grow quickly. It's to prevent others from capturing a winner take most market. And if you recall, there are seven things we look at, seven elements of blitzscaling, and those are winner take most, viral growth and distribution, product market fit, market size, gross margin, and then scalability has two factors, organizational and operational. And so we're going to go through that scoring, Chris. How's it scoring winner take
0: most? Yeah, so it is a classic marketplace business, which has strong two-sided network effects, which means it scores a 10 out of 10, which is not uncommon for a potentially valuable marketplace. The interesting thing here is the interaction of viral growth of distribution with product market fit. So one of the fascinating things about exporta, or if we're gonna pronounce it the proper way, if we are Latins, exporta, the thing about exporta is that you can actually see an inverse correlation or relationship between virality and product market fit and here's what I mean. With Exporta, in order for you to actually begin exploring and looking up suppliers and putting out RFQs, if you are in fact a buyer, you have to sign up for a subscription. You have to pay. The lowest level is $20 a month. It goes up to $50 a month and $100 a month. And then there's an enterprise level. But the point is, it costs actual money to get on. And any time you have something that costs money instead of free, you're putting up a barrier to distribution. You're slowing down the virality and the distribution. The same holds true on the supplier side. The suppliers themselves also need to pay as well to be a part of it. And then of course, they're also giving up a portion of the transaction as a classic marketplace take rate. So that tends to reduce the virality and distribution. So instead of a very high score, it's a seven, which is respectable, but at the same time, not great. But on the other hand, because they've so carefully curated If you're a supplier, you know all the buyers are actually paying customers. They're not just looky-loos. They're serious about making purchases. And similarly, if you're a buyer, you know that all the suppliers you look at are serious enough to pay to be on this network. So that level of curation increases the product market fit. And we actually gave it an unusually high product market fit score for a seed round because of all the people that already have the platform. We gave them a nine. And so that's one of those interesting things. Now, arguably, because viral growth or distribution is bigger, uh, a bigger factor in blitz scaling than product market fit, arguably, it would be better to go the other way. But in this case, because of the fact that I haven't seen a lot of alternatives out there yet, doesn't feel like they have a lot of competition, this is probably a good way to go at the start. Yeah. And so they have to invest in customer acquisition,
1: right? And that means that they're going to, you know, just be less quickly scalable on that side. And that's unusual. I mean, usually buyers are welcomed in with open arms. It's free. There's every marketplace back to the middle ages, buyers are welcome. Anybody can come in. You need good policing, but you do want everybody who might want to buy to have free access. So pretty unusual
0: model they do have one interesting thing which is and this is maybe the equivalent of freemium if you're a buyer you can come onto the platform and post an RFQ to the open market uh, for any supplier to look at without necessarily being a subscriber so if you're just saying okay I want an easy way to dip my toe in you can post an RFQ request for quotation here's what I'm looking to buy and people can get in touch with you but then ironically enough in order to contact them you have to actually subscribe so it's a sort of half step that provides a little bit of a freemium on-ramp. Now, as for the rest of the scores, again, this is an industrial two-sided marketplace for suppliers in Latin America. That's an enormous market, 10 out of 10. It is a two-sided marketplace with both subscription revenue and a take rate, gross margin, 10 out of 10. Then org scalability and op scalability, they don't take possession, they're a marketplace. We didn't quite give them 10 out of 10, though, because The company offers services to facilitate shipping and logistics and customs and things like that. That takes at least a little bit of staffing and uh, scalability and operations. So we gave them a nine on those. But as you mentioned, Scott, together with the strong winner take most market size and gross margin, that's enough to push it up to an 80, which makes it blitz scalable, which means that we should definitely reach out considering they've taken investments from my friends at Felicis and also from my friends uh, who do a lot of Latin American investing, Valor, who are a great venture firm as well. So looking forward to reaching out to that particular company. Yes. And if you want to look at
1: Exporta, it is Exporta.io. That's E-X-P-O-R-T-A dot I-O. All right. Excellent pronunciation, Scott. (laughs) Thank you took no Spanish but I try all right um we have Onchain studios and this one
0: is fascinating Chris why don't you describe this one you seem to rock it really well oh this is really good so many of you probably know that I've written a bit about nfts because there is a level of skepticism I have that's not based on the form itself or the basic technology but rather the notion of supply and demand. And my whole point about nfts is nfts have a lot of potential but you have to have a reason why people want them, and you have to have a way to control the supply otherwise you're just going up against everyone else it's like, why does one cryptocurrency win over another to a lot of people it's a mystery and you can tell by the fact that everyone didn't just buy the single cryptocurrency that would go up. So, as a result. I really love NFT-based businesses where they give you a reason to want the NFTs and where there's a built-in audience and demand. So what OnChain Studios is doing is they're creating a platform that makes it easy to build what is in essence a gaming-style metaverse on the blockchain using these NFTs. And so what they are doing is probably something similar to two other massive hits from the past uh, in the 1990s, there were these toys called Tamagotchi and they were these little itty bitty handheld toys or electronic, but very crude with those black and white LCD screens. I mean, these are things that today's kids can't even conceive of, but these Tamagotchi were like little creatures that you would have to feed and take care of and change their diapers and they would grow over time. And people got so attached to these things, they would have funerals. If they died, it was quite remarkable. It was a huge, huge success. And that's because people love having pets. Right people love having something that they can in fact take care of and so that was the first wave because that was just a one-on-one thing you had your tamagotchi but your tamagotchi didn't interact with other people's tamagotchis now the next level was something called neopets And Neopets is more from the 2000s. And what it did is it allowed you to have these Neopets, these online virtual pets, but they interacted in an online virtual world, a metaverse before the metaverse existed, if you will. And so Neopets was another huge success. People spent goodness knows how much time on them. Even now they're a subject of major Zoomer nostalgia for all those kids who grew up in the 2000s with Neopets. And the thing about those Neopets is it's great and people would come in and do all these things, but it's not like those Neopets were securitized. It's not like you had a gear that you could sell and buy in a marketplace and where at any time you had these online gaming systems there's always be issues with people hacking the system or coming up with a way to steal the goods or what have you so fast forward to today what on chain studios has done is they have built something called cryptoys. and these are essentially crypto enabled neopets these are adorable furry creatures you've got to go look at the website it's it's amazing they got the giant anime eyes and everything like that and these 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 are toys that you pets basically that you keep for yourself you use them to play within games if you get certain nfts they act as power-ups uh and they act as style they do all these different things and all of a sudden they're creating a platform a a metaverse where people have these games that they want to play and when they're relying on not this notion of oh I'm trying to build up my avatar it's the notion of the pet and so I love that distinguishing feature. People love pets, they go nuts for these things. It's a model that's proven itself multiple times in the past. Again, they have to execute, but I just think it's so clever.
1: Okay, and if you want to check it out yourself, I said it was called Onchain Studios. They're building something called Cryptoys, but it's the this the website is Onchain Studios, just spelled just the way you think so. Uh, .com. And reason Horowitz, of course, it's blockchain, so there's entries and again in almost every blockchain deal that exists and the company is out of miami florida it's an 11 million dollar uh, sorry 11 million total raised so far this round was 77 and a half million and it's uh i said it's in miami so there you go that's you know that's the the vitals on the company let's go through the scoring
0: how that's do we do so- absolutely so this is one that does well on winner take most because again it's a classic social network the larger the social network becomes the more people are on it the more it is winner take most because of those strong network effects viral growth or distribution is very high people love their pets they love talking about their pets my god i'm expecting to see these cryptoids in people's instagram feeds at any point in time i'll see cryptoids on TikTok. you'll you name it this stuff is going to go wild product market fit you know this is the one where we can't give them a high score yet just because it hasn't launched we have no idea what they have done so far is to do some drops of nfts some basically pixel art nfts but those are pixel art nfts they're not the game itself the game has not been released no one's seen it yet so we just don't know so obviously just based on the enthusiasm we're gonna give it a seven this is something that has been done you absolutely can make this work but they haven't done it yet we can't give them a higher score than that market size enormous Uh, the number of people who have these virtual pets in general could be just colossal the gross margins i love virtual goods because you are selling for real money things that cost you zero to make they're infinitely scalable it's fantastic Org scalability, op scalability, listen, your platform play, those are both relatively low. Operation scalability, you know, we gave them a 10 out of 10. Maybe we should have given them a slightly lower score, but it doesn't matter because it wouldn't have a big impact. When you look at it overall, you got all these 10s, you got the 9 for viral growth, you got the 7 for product market fit. That's an 87. Even if we pull back a little bit on some of these, that number is still very high. Uh, I think that this is a brilliant idea, and it's one of the ones we're going to reach out to. Sure is,
1: and look for a GoFundMe campaign soon because your cryptoy is ill. And moving on, we have Trica. Uh, Trika.co.co. Excel is in this deal. It's a $3 million round, it's a seed round. So all three deals so far that we've talked about are just seed rounds, so these are early. So we're excited about them, but there's still got a lot of, a lot of proving
0: to do in the real world. Um, so what does Trika do Chris? So Trika you can sort of think of as a combination of Carta and Angelist for India. Like Carta it has equity management software and makes it easy for those startups over in India to be able to manage their cap tables and their securities. Uh, But like AngelList, it is also a platform to make it easier for wealthy accredited investors to invest in companies and funds. So obviously, both of those things have worked out tremendously well. I mean, Carta is a monster, as is AngelList. The combination of the two, specifically for India, is just one of those matches made in heaven, two great tastes that go great together it's not easy to do this right? because it does involve dealing with regulations and dealing with a specific market but that's also one of the reasons why this opportunity exists because if they did not need to have a Carta for India if Carta itself could just operate there it would be pretty difficult to build up this business but because the Indian market is different it has a different regulatory regime than the United States I think there is this opportunity we score it pretty highly for winner take most Uh, We've seen this happen with Carta, it's really more the tech, uh, it's not so much the cap table management platform, although there's some winner take most elements there just because it becomes industry standard, but it's more the marketplace elements which bring in those network effects so not a full 10 but a nine that's very good viral growth or distribution that's very high that's a 10 just like with Carta. Every startup is just like, this is so much better than dealing with cap tables the old way and dealing with stock certificates the old way. And by the way, the investors agree. I used to have this safe in which I kept stock certificates locked up. I still do. Most of those are worthless. That was a terrible, terrible system. This is much, much better. Product market fit, pretty good. These are proven products. They just have to execute. Market size, India is enormous. Uh, gross margin and scale org scalability, you know, we didn't give them we give them good but not great scores here. You know what's up with that? Well, you know, when you think about
1: gross margin here, there is a lot of hand holding that goes on. You have to staff up to deal with cap tables. There, you there is uh, it's it's not fully automated. It's a high level of service. And we put that into the cost of goods. Sometimes we just sort of look at that as something that's not part of the thing that needs to scale with the business. But in in this case, uh, it just felt like enough of a hand-holding exercise that we kind of needed to, but you know, you could, I guess you could give the gross margin. I mean, after all, there's a SaaS business here. That's got to be close to a 10 and the, um, you know, there's also, you know, there's investing going on, there's, there's a marketplace buildup, there's community sort of keeping the community happy and safe. And that's on the organizational side, that's going to take some, some good people that cost money. So not perfect, but you still get an 86 in the end. So, you know, even if, if, if those scores are a little lower than they need to be, this
0: business score is plenty high enough for us to take it seriously and be excited about it. Absolutely, three for three. although, as you mentioned, these are seed deals, and we will we still have to really examine them deeper, understand if they in fact are the emerging leader. That's the thing. The score that we give is a sign of potential. It's not a sign of execution. We got to go out there and check that execution ourselves.
1: Yeah, and notice Excel is in here, and we keep seeing Excel in emerging markets. that's it's a it's a it's a very good venture fund in Silicon Valley that has recognized that company growth can happen anywhere in the world now. And real equity appreciation can be in any place. And you know, of course, India is an obvious one, but they're they're all over the place in Latin America too. So really hats off to Excel, just like Andreessen has taken a really good look at blockchain, become expert at it and gone deep. Excel has done the same thing with emerging markets and we're seeing them a lot. And I think that's just really smart investing.
0: Absolutely. All right. What's next on our list?
1: I like this one. It's called triple blind. And if you think about the problem of sharing medical data in order to analyze, you know, who, how should you market a product or who should you market it to? You just can't share that data. There's all kinds of regulation around it. I mean, HIPAA is extraordinarily binding as far as what you can do, and and de-identifying is very difficult to do well. And so companies struggle with this, and they have enormous data assets that they cannot monetize because of these regulations. And that's in financial markets there are similar problems so there's a lot of privacy issues around certain types of data and there's a lot of money to be made in unlocking that data and helping you be smarter in your business and so triple blind which is believe it or not a company in missouri we don't see a lot of missouri companies it's in kansas city missouri uh triple blind has a a, they don't actually tell you how they do it on the website but if you want to go check it out it's tripleblind.ai all one word. And they um, they got twenty four million dollars led by General Catalyst and Mayo Clinic. They claim the round was oversubscribed. They've raised thirty two million total so far, and it was founded in 2018. So they've been around for a bit. It's a series A. So we've gone past the series seed at this point. Um, the, you know, the, the reason I love it is you know, I've invested in a couple of health IT companies. I've seen this problem firsthand. It's really difficult to do what Crossbeam does. Crossbeam, when, if you have data that you're free to share, Crossbeam helps you do that. And it's an amazing business model because when you start sharing with one partner and you see how easy it is when you use a tool to help you share data better, then you start using it with all your partners and they start using it with all their partners. It spreads like wildfire. And so you get a super high score on viral growth with a company like this. And we're talking about business data. So there's a lot of money at stake. So it's a huge market. Uh,
0: Chris, how do you think about winner take most here? Mm Well, it's interesting, because before we started our podcast, we scored it as a nine. But as you've been talking, I'm thinking maybe we should have given it a 10 instead of a nine, because I think there's a lot of winner take most characteristics here. So first of all, obviously, there is a network effect. The more people who start using this, the better. The more people, the more it becomes a standard, the more other people are going to adopt it. But then one of the other things that we saw when we looked at the website, and again, we're not technologists, so we can't be absolutely certain of this, but it looks like you can actually access triple blind data at the API level, right? This is not just a matter of, oh, we establish a pipeline back and forth and we suck data in. It can actually be called from within the code itself. And now we're starting to talk about something that becomes incredibly sticky because it's deeply embedded into all the workflows into the way that you actually handle the data itself. So I think we might even give it a 10 instead of a 9.
1: Yeah, and they talk on the website about genetic data. And genetic data is impossible to share. It's so hard to do that because uh, it, it's it's so identifying. Like just the the data itself identifies the human. So it's 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 something that's highly regulated, and they claim to have a way to do that. And as we know, genetic data is proliferating. There's zillions of terabytes of it. It's uh, it's it's a huge huge problem and. This company says that they've solved it and they have a lot of customers and then they say that you know you just use our software and you are 100 covered for every regulation that could possibly be in front of you so we're holding you back virality
0: virality also very strong as you mentioned scott as you use it encourage you get other people to use it. it's a phenomenon like crossbeam it's also aided by the fact that it's got distribution partners. So one of the investors, obviously you heard the Mayo Clinic, but also invested is Accenture Ventures and that's because Accenture has built a practice around it. That's why Accenture Ventures invests in things because Accenture is going to build a practice around it and set their half a million employees to selling it too. So not only do they have virality, but they have an excellent distribution channel in the form of Accenture, which I can tell you from my work with some of my other companies has been hugely helpful to those companies and go to market. So I really like that a lot. Uh, Let's just skip over product market fit for a second. Market size, gross margin, org scalability, op scalability, all incredible. 10 out of 10. This is great because it's a purely digital business. The product market fit, basically, we just can't give it a higher score than eight because we don't know how it works. They haven't given us the details. We need to investigate this further, but this sure feels... Good. I mean, right now, that's the one imperfection on their score. They're at a 95, which is almost unprecedented. I think we said that Slack and Snapchat uh, scored up at that level. That's just amazing. So another great company we got to reach out to.
1: Yeah. And 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 there they are in Kansas City and good for General Catalyst for finding them. All right. Last deal is barbecue the- sauce. We are get some barbecue sauce, <laughs> the crazier deals that we've ever encountered. And it's, it's sort of Orwellian, and at the same time, it's brilliant. And I I just I, I think it's going to be fun to talk about. It. Anyway, so it's called WorldCoin. WorldCoin.org. Is a, it's a very rare. We have a .org in these podcasts where this is a venture capital discussion, and .orgs are not supposed to make money. But this is a .org, and somebody thinks they're going to make money because their most recent valuation was up above a billion dollars. Andreessen Horowitz and Coinbase are in the word coin is in the name. So as I said before, you can be certain Andreessen Horowitz is not close behind. It's a Berlin, Germany company, and they are they were founded in this year. So, you know, just recently or that's not true. It was the, the, the round was, sorry, I was looking at the round date, which was in October, of course, because that's this is the October podcast. This is a very bold play where they're, they're a new global digital currency. Okay. We've seen a lot of those, right? But they will launch by giving a free share to every human on earth. So that's what caught our attention. And it's like, wow, really? Okay. That's a bold attempt at solving the cold start problem and what
0: is going on here chris well this is one of those things which is quite controversial you and i disagreed about it on a variety of levels although we both agreed it was bold and remarkable so the way that worldcoin works beyond just being a typical cryptocurrency is the way you get your worldcoin and what has happened is they've built something called that they're calling the orb and it is a basketball sized piece of hardware that costs thousands of dollars to manufacture that is going to do retinal scans and that's how they make sure that they're only giving it to you once because your retinal scan becomes the way that you validate your identity and of course no two retinal scans are the same and so you're going to be able to scan yourself and if you haven't scanned yourself before boom you get your wallet you get your world coin in it Now, that is also part of what has made it so controversial. To a lot of people, this sounds like Big Brother. This sounds like, hey, you're scanning biometric data on every person in the world. You're paying them for that data with some cryptocurrency, but what the hell is going to happen to that data afterwards? So there's a lot of privacy concerns around WorldCoin. And then just the part that uh, I think is, is going to be a struggle. I mean, you just heard me describe it. They are building out... Retinal scanning hardware. And they're going to have to somehow get that retinal scanning hardware out to everyone in the world i'm just picturing you know taking this metal globe to the serengeti and trying to track down Maasai tribesmen and get them to scan their retinas i mean what the hell are people going to say as you go to them and say hey look inside this metal ball and we'll give you a cryptocurrency that may be worth something someday so i think that there's a lot of challenges that's going to face along the way not the least of which getting it to scale getting it to work dealing with all the connectivity issues and everything like that that's going to be tough you're going to have to have an army of people to spread these things around the world I don't see exactly how that's going to work I don't know if the product market fit is going to be there again the part of it is as people adopt this currency as they get their free coins that's great but is it going to be worth anything Because if you're giving coins to literally everyone in the world, why is this coin even worth anything? So it is just full of remarkable ambition and all these problems. And I'm still struggling to figure out what I think of it.
1: Well, I think fundamentally building a database that has biometric data on everybody in the planet is a pretty interesting directory to own. And you can do everything from use that as the basis for who's been vaccinated to use it for a basis, uh, you know, who's voted and who hasn't. And so, if you have a, a definitive and, and unspoofable way of validating that someone is who they say they are when they take a certain action, then you, you, maybe that's good for democracy. Maybe that's good for the world. Of course, there are nefarious things you can do as well when you own a data set like that. But uh, there, there can be some good that comes out of it. Of course, it's not worth much unless everybody's done it. So, and if everybody does it, then how is the supply limited so that it's worth anything? Yeah, the coin part, I think, is an inducement that I don't quite get. But if it is worth something, then oh, then it's worth something. Right. So uh, I don't know why is a Bitcoin worth anything. So I know because <laughs> But I mean, so somehow maybe they'll figure out a way to make it worth something. I'm not sure exactly how. Maybe let every, every time the database gets hit, then you you know the world coin sort of gets more valuable. Somehow there's uh, I don't know through
0: through magic. And let me also remind you, we live in a world where something like between a quarter to uh, four tenths of the world population is refusing to get a life saving vaccine that their governments are offering them for free. And to believe that those people are gonna turn around and say, you know what, I'm gonna get my retina scanned by this metal globe in order to get some cryptocurrency, I think beggars belief. I mean, there's no way that even close to uh, all of humanity is gonna be willing to do this.
1: Well, yeah. So this is what I call a multiple, multiple miracle deal. It's so first this other this one miracle has to happen and then this other miracle has to happen and then there you are. So I think we're both a little skeptical that they can pull this off, but it's so fun to talk about because you know it's kind of science fictiony and then that's fun. So uh you know the scoring i mean the scoring is all over the place right so
0: let's just put it this way right we gave it some of the lowest scores we'd ever given for org scalability and op scalability we gave it a four for op scalability but that's the funny thing about the blitz scalability index op scalability doesn't matter that much or scalability doesn't matter that much these things are a measure of of practicality and our index is more a measure of the potential and at the highest end this could very well be worth a colossal amount of money. So that's why it ended up with an 81 out of 100. But at the same time, this is not one that I feel very comfortable with right now. So it's an interesting quandary.
1: Well, it's also interesting in that the seed round is $25 million, and they haven't got a customer yet. Uh, So it's not like they're the leader of, of many aspirants they don't have any customers neither is anyone else so they have a bank account they have some really smart investors and they have a bold vision and a, and a founder that's pretty well known so they've got a lot of what could lead to success but hard to measure anything here and so we're just gonna sort of sit and watch and be fascinated by what happens
0: Yeah, and we should note i don't think we mentioned it the founder is sam altman former president of y combinator head of the uh, the AI uh, the AI nonprofit previously was one of Y Combinator's founders just a really brilliant guy and enormously accomplished and it's just fascinating that he's decided to place his bet on this because he is a busy guy he could do a lot of different things and he's chosen to focus on this so that alone makes it worth watching
1: Okay, so that's it. That's that's the companies for this week. We've had some very high scorers this week. You know, several above eighty-five, one above ninety. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty unusual. But uh, also, four of the five deals were seed rounds. So high scoring, but still a long way to go to prove that you're actually going to be that billion-dollar, uh, many many billion-dollar winner. So. We are um, we're excited, but, you know, we are sort of tempering our enthusiasm until we see some r- real world traction on a lot of these companies. Um, meanwhile, Chris, uh, how was your Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, my Thanksgiving was good, although I've been telling everyone I can't believe we do all this work centered around a, tur- a food, the turkey, that we don't eat the rest of the year. And that tells me that we don't really like turkey that much. But you know what? People love stuffing. People love cranberries and all that other stuff. And it was a nice Thanksgiving. Excellent. Okay.
1: well, so on we go to next time around. It's going to be November deals. And until
0: then, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Chris Ye. And thank you so much for listening.